Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Consumer's Law Journal on your Law Talk Radio. This is your host, Nick Augustine, the law publicist. The show is produced by Law Publicist Communications, a legal marketing and public relations agency serving law firms and business professionals. The production of Your Law Talk Radio is funded by our sponsor donation and advertising. We work hard to bring you new and pragmatic content on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons at 3 o'clock central. Today's guest is a returning guest. It's Alan Sims. He's a forensic real estate specialist with additional expertise in bank and mortgage fraud issues. Combining auditing investigative skills and real estate experience, Alan Sims is able to participate in pre-litigation and trial to help mortgage and bank fraud victims prevail. Alan is the principal of Alan R. Sims Appraising, a full-service property, real property appraisal firm, evaluating real estate disputes and providing assistance for real property issues of all sizes. Alan R. Sims Appraising also serves the public as well as attorneys. We're going to uh, get to our subject matter first, but we have a few introductory announcements. We want to welcome our callers today. Let you know that our programming here is politically neutral and objective. Your counterpoints are always welcome, and you may dial 917. 889-9732, option one to be placed in the caller queue. To call in, that number again is 917-889-9732. By way of a short disclaimer, this is a general information program. The advice shared on our show does not constitute legal advice. Communication with attorneys on this show does not give rise to an attorney-client relationship. Law Talk Radio does not necessarily endorse all the opinions expressed by guests and callers may remain confidential, and rights to this broadcast are reserved. Now, before we tell you our subject matter in more detail, we have three, uh, count them, three events to tell you about. Uh, The first two come from the Chicago Lawyer Magazine's Off the Pages series, and uh, this presentation that's coming up September 20th, 2011, is called Taking Care of Business. And there are three panels of interest that you should note. The first one is How to Grow Your Book of Business in a Challenging Economy. Secondly, Building a Relationship with Your In-House Lawyers. And third, Motivating and keeping young talent. Now, the panelists presenting at this event are top attorneys and executives with valuable insight. The event is going to be held from 7.30 to 11 a.m. at the University Club here in Chicago. For more early bird registration and information, you can call Olivia Clark at Law Bulletin at 312-644-4033, or you can get in touch with her by email at O-C-L-A-R-K-E at lbpc.com. Now, MCLE credit is pending for this event and sponsorship opportunities are available. The next Chicago Lawyer Magazine Off the Pages series comes up on October 18th, 2011, and that uh, presentation is titled Taking Diversity Seriously. Here are the following panels. One, being a woman in this legal industry, how do you navigate the challenging waters? And two, a detailed look at local diversity statistics. In addition, Chicago Lawyer presents keynote speaker Aaron Reeves of NextGens. Reeves is a Chicago Lawyer columnist and diversity expert who will present, quote, a status report on diversity, end quote. This event will take place from, also from 7.30 to 11 a.m. at the University Club in Chicago. Again, contact Olivia Clark at Law Bulletin for more, 312-644-4033. And our final event to tell you about today is you live in DuPage County, Illinois, on September 22, 2011, or if you're just visiting, you should come attend the Collaborative Law Institute of Illinois' West Suburban Practice Group's 
annual open house. Come on down to Carlucci's Restaurant in Lombard at the intersection of Interstate 355 and Butterfield Road from 5 to 7 and meet the attorneys, financial, and mental health professionals who team up to provide collaborative divorce solutions. Our guests will include professionals who might want to become a collaborative fellow, as well as family law judges from the DuPage Family Law Division, as well as affiliate professionals who are utilized in the collaborative process. Now, for more, invita- for more information and your invitation, please contact Ms. Connie Walsh at Connie, C-O-N-N-I-E, at yourfinancialdivorce.com. Again, that's Connie Walsh, Connie, at yourfinancialdivorce.com. Now, moving forward with today's subject matter. The Home Affordable Modification Program, known as HAMP, is the program under the Obama administration through which eligible borrowers receive a permanent five-year modification if they make timely reduced payments for three months. Now, when Bank of America failed to honor their obligation to Mr. Dave Graham, he sued and won with the help of our guest, Alan Sims. Alan is a returning contributor on Law Talk Radio, and today we will be discussing the following in greater detail. Number one, CLCREE, which he will tell us what that stands for in his organization that is set up to help clients and people who are victims of uh, mortgage fraud and mortgage issues. Secondly, we'll talk about the Bank of America case specifically with Dave Graham. Third, we'll talk about uh, some review of some current cases going on. And then fourthly, we'll talk about cases in the Los Angeles Superior Court. And then fifth, Alan will talk about how he helps small law firms take on the banks. And finally, we'll talk a little bit about mortgage-backed securities and securitization and some of the other underlying things that went on uh, that a lot of us have seen on TV uh, in several reports as to what's really operating in the background. So getting underway, let's uh, say hello to Alan Sims. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me on again. It was it, It's a real pleasure always to talk to you and, and, and also work with the audience up there in Chicago. Well, I appreciate your valuable time and am thrilled to know someone who uh, can help so many people in these areas. Again, California is a bit different uh, you know, situation where in California, pro, uh, in small claims court, attorneys are not present, but the parties and the litigants may hire experts. So we'll talk a little bit about that, a little bit different here in Illinois. But you can certainly, from what I understand from talking to you over time and time again, is that you can help people all over the place. So let's uh, dive right in. And tell us a little bit about the organization CLCREE. Right, the uh, CLCREE, and it stands for the Center for Litigation and Consumer Real Estate Education. And our website on that is www.clcree.org. Um, mainly, this was this this was organized to help uh, uh, the consumer and the homeowner provide expert testimony so they can go ahead and address loan modification scams, uh, mainly the scams started as individual companies or even some attorneys were working with uh, um, uh, some of the homeowners promising uh, 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 loan modifications that didn't really come through. That has been replaced now with the banks uh, uh, becoming the scammers, and I hate to say it like that, but that's what it really became. Uh, And especially when we deal with the banks promising promising the homeowners that if you stay on this program, even after initial 90 days, they're supposed to make a decision. If you stay with them for a number of months, 18 months, 24 months, that eventually at the end of that tunnel, you're going to get a loan modification. That just does not happen. 
So um, what what the uh, um, consumer does or what the homeowner does is they have very little options. Uh, they can try to uh, uh, go out and, and find some attorneys, which they do, and uh, we support attorneys at, with their expert testimony and going to Superior Court. But mainly they're they're their backs against the wall, and that's nationwide. They have very little money, so we try to assist them uh, going into small claims venue in their in individual state. Uh, with that, they're able to get some money. We were able to prove fraud, which was really good for us against Bank of America, and that uh, basic concept uh, repeats itself throughout all these small claims uh, venues uh, in, in the United States. And also, the court is able to correct their credit impacted by that loan modification. So uh, that's a good deal for, for the homeowner. Now, when... How typically does someone find you with the with um, the center for you know it best, but CLCREE? Um, how does it usually happen? Is it a consumer that's contacting you? Is it uh, an attorney that's contacting you? What does it usually look like? So that our listening audience at know at home knows procedurally how it is that people find you and get to work with you. Well, usually the homeowner after uh, contacts me, the attorney uh, would contact me if they are um, taking on the lawsuit and they look for expert witnesses. Uh, I can be found on the Internet uh, uh, through general searches, uh, whether my appraising corporation, Allen R. Sims Appraising, just type in Allen R. Sims or Allen Sims, or type in uh, uh, CLCREE, and that will uh, give us uh, our, our website. But the homeowners, they either see us through our, our mass media, because if you go on our website, you can see us on MSNBC. We were on, 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 on a show uh, in January, so you get on our website, you can see myself and my client, Mr. Graham, and, and we go over how we uh, prove fraud against Bank of America. Um, the homeowners contact me. Uh, it seems like I'm their last uh, alternative for a lot of their questions, and their questions being, why can't I get a loan modification? And when I explain to them, and this is nationwide, it's just not in California, that you are obligated to pay your mortgage and very little can be done if you don't, you're going to be losing your home, then they're, they're kind of looking at it more as a business decision once they get off the phone with me. And when that happens, uh, we're able to start the process of, okay, tell me what happened with your loan modification. Was it a situation that they promised you uh, certain things and they didn't deliver? And that's usually the case. So that's our basis uh, with our notes and our declaration I've put together and then working with them uh, either with an attorney or working with them directly if they're going to small claims court. And we provide our declaration and testimony for that. Well, I'll tell you what, going to small claims court is certainly places that people are going, and um, I just want to highlight and note this Florida case, and then we'll ask about some specifics about the uh, Dave Graham situation and the article that I was aware of in Florida. And again, this is not something that I think hit every major newspaper. You had to kind of dig around, I think we saw this on the Huffington Post, Um, It was where an individual got a judgment against Bank of America for wrongdoing and then actually had the sheriff seize a Bank of America branch. That's a real uh, shocking thing, but it, it, people are not taking it anymore, and it's they're not taking it in greater numbers. Uh, that's true. They're not taking it. And on this this case, if I, if I, I, I remember reading about it, uh, they foreclosed on, on the wrong house is what they really did. Uh, so... Uh, that really uh, 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 puts the icing on the cake. Uh, they went ahead, contacted a local attorney, and they sued Bank of America and basically seized the office until uh, uh, all the damages were paid by check, and Bank of America reluctantly did that, but they did it. 
And and you're right, people aren't taking it anymore because they're realizing they have to control their own destiny with the bank. Uh, and a lot of these banks are just acting like they're doing you a favor on the loan modification, and all loan modifications are costing the homeowner more money. You don't save money on a loan modification. No. So let's hear the story of Dave Graham. Tell us what Bank of America did there and what he did in response. Well, Dave Graham is is typical of as a as a as a homeowner. Uh, he was uh, solicited by Bank of America for a loan modification. He was current with his mortgage. Uh, Dave was uh, just going on retirement, uh, so his income was going to be reduced a little bit. He still could afford his original mortgage. But when Bank of America approached him over the phone, they said, look, how, how would you feel about paying $500 less a month on your mortgage? He said, great, that's fantastic. Most homeowners, that's how they're approached. Uh, so the deal was done over the phone, no contracts. Uh, we will send you out the paperwork later, the bank is, is, is telling uh, the homeowner. So a couple months uh, went by, and Dave was starting to get notices on his uh, credit report that he's been late on his mortgage. And what the bank didn't disclose to him, that the day he entered into a loan modification, he defaulted on his original mortgage. All these loan modifications out there, uh, Nick, all of them are based on negating the original mortgage during this trial period and the defaults on the original mortgage, and then the bank starts reporting him as late, and they're not supposed to do it under this program. So <clears throat> when Dave found out about this, he called back up. Uh, the bank and said, look, I want to get out of this thing. And and the bank kept promising, oh, no, no, don't worry. We're going to fix your credit. You just keep on paying us. So he kept paying for 18 months. And after 18 months, the bank tells him, you don't qualify. And to get back to where you were during this initial first conversation, he had to pay him over $10,000 of back uh, interest in, in fees. And he couldn't do this. Uh, so he contacted me. I went over the case because I've been working on, on how I could testify as an expert witness to this. And we basically went after after the bank for our civil code of fraud here. And it, and it basically uh, suppression of known fact was one, one issue, and the other was undue influence. So the bank knew all along that Mr. Graham couldn't afford this mortgage uh, that was proposed to him. Uh, as well as they knew all along with all these fees, he couldn't afford coming up with $10,000, so they foreclosed on his home. And when that happened, during that process, we sued the bank. Uh, we went to a superior court on this uh, well, for a small claims issue, and the judge heard our case. And it was Bank of America who presented uh, their side of it, and they basically admitted that they do not train their people to do loan modifications, who answers the phone and, and, and the homeowners have their numbers. This is their collection department called Bank of America Credit. And when that happens, Bank of America Credit just says, keep paying us, keep paying us, keep paying us. So the judge determined that Bank of America is trained to take your money, but not to do a loan modification. And Bank of America admitted that. So he basically came down and said, okay, the judgment is for 7500 bucks, which is our maximum here, and then we're working on getting Dave's credit uh, corrected by the court. Uh, that's a court order. It doesn't cost the court anything to do that as far as this uh, this, this instance goes that the bank was uh, responsible for. And uh, in his case, uh, again, can be seen on our website, on our NBC presentation there. And uh, it's I'm being reached from all over the country on similar homeowners wanting the same type of justice. Yeah, I, I'm sure that there is a large list of people who, you know, 
are just at their wits end and don't know where to turn and where to start. So um, again, how very uh, good it is that CLCREE give, give us the, the acronym again. What does it stand for, your organization? <laughs> the Center for Litigation and Consumer Real Estate Education. We're trying to come up with a jingle, but I don't think that's working for us too well right now. Yeah, well, I, uh, <laughs> that's a, those take a long time to figure. But I, it's just—it's such a good organization, and I'm so glad that you are out there, uh, you know, helping people fight back. Because again, it's—you know—I think a lot of people in business, and a lot of times, the end of the day, it's—it's it's profit and dollars, and there's a, a cost-benefit analysis that they run, and you know, it's just like. The city of Chicago here, you can't sue the city on a small claims because they just dismiss everything and say take it to trial and they're just hedging their bet that most people are not going to be able to afford to hire a lawyer or they're just going to make it go away. So again, I think people are going to continue fighting back and we're going to see more and more of this. Alan, you're going to be a busy man. That's my prediction. We're going to be right back with Alan Sims after we pause for a short commercial break and our first commercial sponsor is Law Office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Do your marketing materials and slogans infringe on another's intellectual property rights? Well, you should find out. Chicagoland attorney Nancy K. Ducharme brings big law firm experience and reputation to her intellectual property law firm, where she serves national corporate clients in the areas of trademark, copyright, internet law, and advertising law. When you need the right legal services to advance your creativity, yet guard against trademark infringement, call the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme at 708-444-7900. That telephone number again is 708-444-7900. You can also visit online at NKD Law for more information. Again, that's nkdlaw.com for more information. And secondly, from Peak Marketing and Sales Incorporated. If you haven't yet met Mary Erlane, then you should listen up because she will help you make more money. Mary is well known all over Chicagoland for her executive coaching and unique abilities in helping people connecting the dots and removing barriers to their business goals. Mary is the president of Peak Marketing and Sales Incorporated, and these renowned coaching and consulting services are available to businesses, associations, organizations, and teams to bring about measurable results. Call Mary today at 630-468, I'm sorry, 630-768-1422. That telephone number again is 630-768-1422. You can also visit them online at peakpeak-msi.com. And next is Law Publicist Communications is a legal marketing and public relations agency serving Chicagoland lawyers and business professionals. Many people hire us to write their marketing material, blog articles, and press releases that we then use to promote and manage clients' webinars, events, and media coverage. We are a full-service agency, and you'd be surprised how many ways we can help you. Give us a call today at 312-505-2604 to see how we can put you on the map and keep you there. We'll position you to get more clients. Telephone number again is 312-505-2604. Now going back to our show, if you do have a guest suggestion for a Law Talk Radio broadcast or you have a subject matter suggestion, please feel free to drop us a note on our website or on our Facebook page. You can simply search in Google for Law Talk Radio. Now back to Alan Sims. Alan, we talked a little bit about your organization and how you have helped people like Dave Graham. Let's talk a little bit now in our second segment about some of the current cases and uh, what you're seeing now. Uh, sure, and I and I do want to make a note too. I always try to educate myself, uh, especially in your area, 
uh, of, uh, of uh, Chicago and Illinois about your small claims. I was amazed to know that uh, I read several uh, several uh, published on uh, uh, limits on it. it. Does it go up to ten thousand dollars in Illinois? Someone can there's a cap, and then yeah, there's a cap, and then yeah. you go to law division. So a lot of people right. will erroneously file a case in small claims and not know they have to go to law division, and there are multiple different judges at the daily. It depends on which county you're into, so uh, every county is very unique here. Um, right, same right. I, know, I know it's unique there, but also the nice thing about it is you can take an attorney to your small claims uh, uh, in, uh, there, so uh, you know right. that, that could be opportunities. We call it limited jurisdiction back here in California, which is a bigger small claims or like a big boy small claims. You can take an attorney, you have to make your regular pleadings, but that goes up to $25,000. So some of the uh, uh, law firms that, that are currently that I'm working with, they're small individual practitioners or one or two on their staff, and they have some clients that basically uh, are in a loan modification problem. Uh, one, uh, uh, and I'm not mentioning the bank, the one I just had a deposition with on Friday, in this case uh, uh, they sold the gentleman's house, the homeowner's house, while he was in a loan modification uh, now, you're not supposed to do that because these programs are designed to kind of shield the homeowner while they're being evaluated, and they're not supposed to, to the bank is not supposed to contact a trustee to sell the home because that's a no-no. So they sold the guy's house and made all these promises for him uh, uh, over the phone. And on this issue, we're looking at, at, uh, at, at one of our major defenses is called promissory estoppel. Uh, I'm sure we're racking our brains as law students again, but promissory estoppel for has been uh, basically appealed in our appellate court here in um, Los Angeles. And anybody wants to get that case, they can they can send me an email. We I'm more than happy to forward that whole case to you. And the, uh, the appellate court rules that when you make promises, the bank makes promises and tries to change the terms of that contract, you have a right to sue the bank for fraud. And basically, that's one of our first cases. We're hanging our hats on, on, on that avenue on it, as well as other other uh, uh, avenues that I, I can comment on as far as the HAMP program and, and administering the HAMP program. But uh, that's going to unfold here in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, the bank is going to settle this because they don't want to go back in, in, in a jury trial, that's for sure. And another issue that we're working on right now with another homeowner is another Superior Court case is this homeowner um, uh, been paying on a mortgage for a number of years and come to find out that they go to, to get the mortgage uh, uh, paid off and what supposedly was a 15-year mortgage, well, it turns out to be a 30-year mortgage, but all the documents <laughs> indicate a 15-year mortgage. So the bank was trying to, to go after the homeowner, saying he owes more money, but this was a pickup from uh, one of the Washington Mutuals. Uh, um, and when a bank buys one of the defunct companies from the FDIC, supposedly they're hanging their hat on, well, we're not really responsible for a mess-up in our paperwork, and that's their defense. So that's going to, to, to probably uh, iron out here within the next month. So we're going to, to cover a lot of ground with these two cases, and we hope to uh, uh, to get the, the small uh, firm attorneys to realize, get off get off the fence is I make it very economical to get into this game so you can go and represent your homeowner in court. Uh, I think, um, and I'm not, uh, we usually charge like a $300 fee to get you enough information so you can get your filing in and, and, and you have some uh, uh, 
face-to-face conversation with the bank, and they really don't want to go in front of a jury right now. I wouldn't want to be a bank going in front of a jury and, and saying that we're doing uh, we're taking care of the American public. Where are a lot of these cases being settled? Is a lot of this happening in arbitration and mediation? Uh, no. Um, <clears throat> we we can go to arbitration, but but uh, I would like to see that more mainstream, uh, going to arbitration. Um, uh, some of the counties here, in uh, in uh, like in San Bernardino County, they have a free arbitration. Uh, the court, uh, you know, the, the court will pay for that. But uh, I like to see a good arbitration. A lot of these cases, if you submit a good package to the court, uh, you can get these things settled. Uh, because again, the bank's on the defense on these. I agree with your first comment. More and more people are 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 are, uh, are holding up the skirts of the bank and seeing what's underneath, and it's uh, it's not very good. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, one of the the here in Illinois we have the Center for uh, Conflict Resolution in Chicago, and mm-hmm. I they were actually out in the suburbs in DuPage, and I attended a CLE seminar where they were talking about exactly this, um, the HAMP program, and um, you know, and I was asking about, can you call in a lifeline? I know a guy, <laughs> I know I like them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the I was, I think the guy was looking at me funny, like I was upstaging his, um, you know, his song. Yeah. But I, I know that that's happening, and a lot of people are – a lot of attorneys who are otherwise not having a, a very good time with attracting clients in this down economy are going for training and working in alternative dispute resolution. I myself am working towards dispute resolution and mediation for family law and for securities fraud, which we'll talk about a little bit um, later in the show. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. The more pe- the, I think the more people that get on that page will find that you can serve clients well and get the job done and you have an increased chance of referral it's just a good thing all around I think that a lot of the attorneys out there at least the, the people that I know have been changing a little bit of their models and how they're practicing so um, mm-hmm. it's good to see more of these cases Bank of America settling because you know so so many times we see uh, larger entities just saying no way so let's move on next to a little discussion about uh, some superior court cases there in Los Angeles County um, and there was an appellate ruling I know that you wanted to share with with us. Oh yes, that, that was the appellate ruling, and and I did mention that, but, but let me go back to it again. Oh, the promissory estoppel uh, case. Okay. Right, right, and, and that was Superior Court ruling, and I give you a number BC four one zero eight nine zero, and 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 basically that deals with promissory estoppel. What happened on on this case particular was the client was in uh, bankruptcy. Uh, the homeowner was in bankruptcy. Uh, uh, they were going through a loan modification. The bank contacted the homeowner and basically said, um, look, uh, we're going to give you a loan modification. We will take care of you. Just get us off the bankruptcy. So the homeowner believed the bank. Uh, they released them from the bankruptcy uh, filing. And next thing you know, the bank foreclosed on the property within 30 days. So, uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, who do you trust on this? So the court found uh, for the homeowner, and they said, no, 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 you can't, you can't do that. And and basically, again, they go over the prom, uh, promissory estoppel, and it's a big issue here because all the claims that my clients uh, are, are 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 making known to me, they come in and they tell me the reason we're in these loan modifications is because the bank 
promised me. The bank said that they're going to take more time to process a loan. You have nothing to worry about. Yeah, here's my question too, because well, with mm-hmm. promissory estoppel, the way if someone you know off the street um, asks you, the, the bank is stopped from denying that they had a deal with uh, with the homeowner. So if the homeowner you know says they have a deal with the bank, that so you ask for something in writing, they're never going to get anything in writing. So what do you just do? You have, I mean, for evidence, you just have notes of your phone call. I suppose if you just keep copious notes of all your communications, is that what's getting it done for people? Because the they, the bank's not going to put a damn thing in writing. Well, no, but uh, two things. You get your notes from the people, and then we go ahead and we order telephone records from the bank. And uh, that's when they get really interested, uh, interesting because when they produce the telephone records, you get to see the conversation between their uh, their people and, and, and the homeowner, or at least their actions appearing into the computer, what they said and this, that, and the other. So um, one side is, is really not... Uh, uh, the bank is leaving himself open by denying this because when we go in and we order telephone records, it really comes out in court. Yeah, well, I can see again that that is. Uh, I'm imagining this boardroom somewhere with uh, all the, the faceless people who have decided. Well, so many of the people are going to file suits and they're going to send subpoenas for. You know, let's go ahead and settle these things. You know, let's do it quickly because otherwise, there's so many of them that it's just the cost of business to settle some of these claims and uh, own up for wrongdoing. I'm just wondering. Um, you know, we have to take a break for another set of sponsor messages in a moment. But what do you think about the likelihood of you know, very major or larger uh, class action suits. Do you know of any that have been threatened or filed that could cause significant uh, trouble for some of the lenders? Well, some of the lenders, the biggest class actions that are causing trouble are, are when the federal government is filing class action. And um, so, the, so the feds and attorney generals are causing the most damage. And the private class action here. Uh, it's been taken over. We have some class joiner actions, and we have some other class actions, especially here in California. But it's been taken over by scammers, believe it or not. Uh, uh, it's been published uh, by uh, specific law firms that are legitimate, and then they just take the filing and they try to solicit people. A non-attorney company takes that filing, and, and it's gotten so bad that they solicit the homeowner about cost to pay us $5,000 to join a, a, a uh, class action suit. I mean, that's how bad it's gotten, uh, that people are sitting in the money, nothing happens, and the attorney really has the class action, doesn't know anything about the uh, plaintiffs. So the Department of Real Estate in California and also the Attorney General has issued warnings to the public, don't join any class actions. That's how bad it's gotten here in California. Uh, I, I feel, I personally feel class action is, is is not the way to go for a lot of these consumers. Uh, the consumers have two specific items they want to do. They want to get their credit corrected, and they like to get some cash. So for the individual lawyer, the individual practitioner, you're not asking for much money if you take them to court. You're, you might be asking for a $100,000 settlement, and you negotiate down from there. Uh, and it's a good opportunity, as you said, Nick, for the for the sole practitioner to go out and get off the fence. Uh, I provide tools for these sole practitioners so they can go take on the banks and get their clients some money and get it done and go into the next one because there's so many homeowners who need a fit with a with a good aggressive attorney out there. 
I agree, I agree. We're going to pause for our second set of breaks, and then we're going to come back and we'll talk a little bit more about how Allen helps consumers and procedurally uh, what some of the different options are. And then we're going to talk a little bit about mortgage-backed securities and securitization and other things operating behind the scenes. So our fourth commercial sponsor is Jim Thompson of the Get Clients Now program. If you need more clients, he's a seasoned attorney and marketing coach you should talk to. His name is Jim Thompson, and his program is called Get Clients Now. He'll help you take the crucial steps towards increasing your firm's revenue. The program employs various time-honored techniques to help you attract new business and encourage referrals. Please visit the website lawyersmarketingresource.com and also check out the testimonials on the site to see what people have to say about the Get Clients Now program. Again, that's lawyersmarketingresource.com. You can also get in touch with Jim Thompson today by emailing him at jet at midwestconsultants.com. Net. And also you can call them directly at 708-785-4022. Again, the number is 708-785-4022. And next, from credit damage expert George Finder. Your credit score is a valuable asset. Credit damage expert George Finder is an expert who can put a dollar amount on the damage to your credit score. By learning to incorporate credit damage questions into the intake process, you and your staff will learn how to spot credit damage events worthy of retaining George Finder's credit damage analysis services. George Finder is located in Fullerton, California, but is available nationwide for consulting on damage to credit reputation. His website with more information and a short video explaining his services is creditdamageexpert.com. Again, creditdamageexpert.com to learn more about George Finder and his expert services. And our final commercial sponsor of the day is Software and Technology Attorneys at Marcus Stephen Harris, LLC. The software and li- software licensing agreements, cloud computing, and software selection are all the items that fall on the desks of the attorneys at Marcus Stephen Harris, LLC. This international software, technology, and intellectual property law firm is based in Chicago and leads the, so- the way in the software and technology law. Now, before entering private practice, Principal Marcus Harris worked as senior corporate counsel at SSA Global Technologies, a global software vendor. Marcus also worked in the legal contracts department of SSA. SAP Technologies, drafting and negotiating hundreds of technology-related agreements with SAP's Fortune 500 customer base. Today, Marcus leads a talented team who are ready to help you navigate legal business issues in software, technology, and intellectual property. Call Marcus Stephen Harris today at 312-263-0570. Telephone number again is 312-263-0570, and their website is MSH techlaw.com so m-s-h-t-e-c-h-l-a-w.com now getting back to our show we want to remind our listeners out there to share broadcast links in your social networks many people do find out about our shows through their friends facebook twitter and linkedin pages and we all thank you for your ongoing support in sharing our programming now getting back to our show we're going to talk a little bit more with alan sims here now talking about um, a little bit more about how his company and his organization can help clients. Again, we covered some of this earlier in the show, but Alan, I want to give you the opportunity to refresh our recollection before we uh, go forward into talking about mortgage-backed securities. Uh, sure. Uh, my organization not only uh, works directly with the homeowner uh, to help them with their loan modification uh, problems uh, as far as uh, we don't do loan modification, nor do we save the home. All we provide is expert testimony 
so the homeowner can uh, proceed to their either a superior court with the help of attorney or they go to small claims. <clears throat> um, the other part that, that my organization uh, provides is service to small attorney firms throughout the United States. I just picked up one in Kentucky last, last week uh, that needed some expert testimony, but mainly they, the expert fees are pretty high. We do it at a very reasonable rate, around a $300 rate, that will get you enough to uh, information so you can file your case and hopefully try to work out a settlement with the uh, bank on a number of issues, whether it's mortgage fraud or loan modification issues. So that, that has waken me up with, with a lot of uh, users all across America a lot of homeowners all across America, and it's it's funny, they all have the same problem, um, and, and that's what our organization really is, is starting to involve in, uh, a national organization, not just here in California. Now, do you think that this is, how much of this is still news? Um, a lot of it is 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 new news uh, to the uh, to the banking industry because they're used to just steamrolling over the homeowners. Now, as you mentioned earlier, through the internet, through shows like yours, through uh, through publications that they read, uh, they can step up to the bank, and and they really need to reach out to the legal community, uh, to attorneys, and attorneys need to know what resources they can go to so they can uh, start uh, capitalizing their business on this opportunity. I agree. All right, so uh, if you don't have any uh, more to add there, why don't we move forward to mortgage-backed securities and have uh, sort of a mother goose discussion of mm. what was going on in the background, um, you know, to the, I mean, because there's a lot, it's another area of big fraud now with people overselling securities, packaging them, packaging them in a way that um, doesn't make sense, uh, failure to make proper disclosures, and I've been diving into that with some client work and learning more, and as I learn more, I realize that it's really not that difficult to figure all of this out, and I really think that people should take the time to start learning. So can you kind of give us a, a global picture here? Sure. I teach a little bit of this in our in my MCLE class I give to attorneys and judges. It's called Attorney's Guide to Mortgage Fraud. I've been teaching that for about four years. It's a three-hour course, and we do cover this uh, basically because at that stage, I think after three hours, everybody wants to leave or they their, their, their eyes are glassing over. Um, so basically, a mortgage security is a loan that is purchased by the banks, and other lenders, and they assign it to a trust. And a trust, one of our leading trusts, is uh, is like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. But you have to look at it as a big tube. And the way I usually have uh, the demonstration on this is, is I have one big tube. It's a clear tube, all filled up with the same color marbles, or all white. And those marbles represents a individual mortgage, the performance of a mortgage over a period of time. That's how everybody's servicers make their money, and that's what the mortgage is worth. Uh, so the class that these marbles were sold at in these mortgage-backed securities, which just they pull it, put it in the pool, they put it in a collected pool there, was supposed to be all the same grade. And if they sell them for all the same grade, such as a triple A AAA type loan, and they work their way all the way down to to a, to a B class or even unrated down at the bottom there, uh, the way it was supposed to work. Um, the last lossee on it, in case the, the, the security went bad, would be the AAA uh, holder of the note. And then the lower risk uh, would also be, uh, the, uh, as, far as, uh, as far as what one could expect for their, uh, 
return on their investment, the lower list would be the AAA note holder. So it was sold as a pretty safe investment. The rating agencies out there, and let's just pick on Moody's, why not? Because there they're, are, you know, standards and pours, whatever you want to pick on. Um, they believed without their own investigation, and they said they have, but without their own investigation that all these marbles basically were what they were represented to be. Now, I take out a second canister. This canister has all different color of marbles in it. And that's where our housing market started to go crazy because once these marbles, these these other colored marbles for underperforming loans started to default, it started to bring down that whole investment pool of that mortgage, uh, of that securitized uh, pool. So when that happened, in other words, the yield that the people were expecting on it and they were basically even sold an insurance policy and in, in, in the mortgage-backed securities sold insurance policies and they weren't supposed to, like uh, uh, some of the, 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 the private uh, uh, security uh, houses that now are out of business, they sold insurance saying, we're going to guarantee this uh, that you're lost in case these things can't pay off the way that we're supposed to. And that's what started this whole financial crisis and the mortgage meltdown because once we defaulted on so many of those houses, then the yield weren't there, and everybody wanted their insurance money. That's where AIG went under, and this was just the tip of the iceberg here. Keep going. It's very interesting. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm like, no, no, I was, I'm I'm learning. I was wanting to comment like, on it. No, um, so, go ahead. So, so, I mean, no, I, I, so, so then the investors went back, and now let's go back to what the investors can do now. Uh, basically, they were, they were, they were, Procedures in place for the investors to go back and say, well, why, when you sold me this security, why wasn't it, and you and you told me the rating on it, what, show me you do, your due diligence uh, that these marbles or these homes were in this type of uh, investment pool. And that's where the lawsuit comes into play because there's no way that that uh, that this this type of investment can really be justified with the research that was done on them. They just sold them wholesale and and took the investor, whether it be a the institutional investor or the individual investor, for a, for a real ride on this. So uh, uh, the lawsuits we see right now, they hire experts to come in to evaluate these pools to see if if. If people knew about this investment uh, um, uh, possibility that or their investment that would not pay off in the future if they had pre-knowledge of this, and everybody's shaking their shoulders because the evidence was right there that no one really should have sold these uh, securities the way they were marketed. I have a, a question about the DRA. We, you know, a lot of. This sparks so much political uh, controversy as well, and um, this not being a political show, I'd like to sort of stay centered. Um, however, people have suggested that a lot of the deregulation in the 80s allowed for this. Is that, you know, are they right in that? Yes. It didn't what take exactly me any time happened? to answer that question, right? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, <laughs> what do you, I mean, what regulations were in place before that were um, taken away? And I suppose that brings us into um, FINRA. Yeah, the regulations that, that and I mean, I, I would have to pull out all my manuals here, but the regulations in general, the regulations in place said that, you know, you, you these securities that were being sold or being marketed, 
uh, we wanted to increase the number of of, um, uh, of uh, mainstream loans. So Fannie and Freddie Mac, or Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, was given the authority to go ahead and start start securitizing or at least uh, marketing these as trusts. So that's why uh, Fannie Mae right now is losing so much money because of the non-performance of their mortgage-backed security pool. Uh, so, yeah, the regulations caused a lot of problems on that. Now, who was on watch? I mean, you can go back to two or, or even uh, three presidents and, 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 and said this is all leading up to it because this was a good business decision for the banking industry. But as long as housing values were going up, this was a great model. From 2002 up to 2007, this stuff was a great model. And then... You know what happened after that? That's where we're in this uh, situation we are right now. Because we have, the government has now injected so much oversight in the housing market that I really don't have a free market out there that, that's really going to the bottom so prices can rise again. And that's the biggest problem we have right now. Can you restate that again? What what has happened, okay, is the government has has, has, has taken over mortgages, uh, such as I have more requirements now to get a new loan. Uh, I'm like making up for past sins. I have to go ahead and make sure I have 31% income. I can afford my mortgage plus my escrow of my taxes and insurance. So they make it so hard for a new homeowner out there to buy another home that they that they have constrained the existing market uh, as a real estate appraiser, and I am a real estate appraiser also, um, you're not seeing the volume of houses being sold because finances have really dried up. People have to come up with more of a down payment on it. Their credit has to be better. And the banks are also uh, uh, trying to hold on to, to their homes right now instead of putting them out there. So they have to be a, be a, uh, reviewed as to a fair market value on their home once, once it's uh, being uh, purchased on the, on the uh, uh, new market uh, uh, place such as uh, a homeowner goes out, but they get their appraisal. They get an appraiser appraisal for fair market value on the home. It's no longer related to the mortgage value that the banks are using for their loan modifications. So that's a real conflict of interest there about how new homeowners are being suppressed from going out and getting the financing and the hoops they have to jump on to to turn this market around. You know, it's uh, one thing that I always you know knew economic with economics. I took a few. Um, Econ courses in undergrad, and I remember them talking about you know housing driving you know driving the economy by and large, and so it seems like a real double-edged sword. We want more regulation so that um, so that we don't have future problems in cases of fraud and, and misdealing, but now this regulation prevents uh, able you know otherwise able buyers to to purchase homes. So I don't know. It's a very very difficult thing. We're going to be right back after we listen to some law practice management resources. We'll talk a little bit about more about um, mortgage-backed securities and securitization and um, other uh, issues. So as far as law practice management resources, this is the point in the show where we tell you about our two favorite uh, resources. The first is the American Bar Association's Law Practice Management section. When the American Bar Association members join the Law Practice Management section, they get a free subscription to Law Practice, which is a bi-monthly magazine dedicated to helping professionals master all the aspects of the business of practicing law. Now, the fun doesn't stop there. Consider Law Practice Today. That's their monthly webzine that brings you the most current information and trends in the legal industry, delivers anecdotes from professionals in the field of law, and it 
also on your reading list, why don't you toss on Law Practice News, which is their bi-monthly newsletter. It's a news, bi-monthly newsletter for members of the Law Practice Management section, which will give you the latest news in law practice management and the ABA and the legal profession. Now, again, we're going to remind you, Law Practice Management does include management, management, marketing, technology, and finance. So between management, marketing, tech, and finance, that certainly covers almost everything that uh, happens in the day-to-day running of a law office. And with so many solos today and more people going solo right out of the box, really suggest that you become uh, very um, involved and aware of the law practice management section of the ABA. Now, our second practice management resource is the Law Bulletin Publishing Company. Now, we're talking a little bit more about news, but when you subscribe to the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin and the Chicago Lawyer Magazine, you receive up-to-date legal news from Chicago and around (coughs) Illinois. Also, check out the Law Bulletin blog, Attorneys in Transition, which offers advice and tips for lawyers going through a career transition. Now, it also hosts a monthly career seminar for lawyers in flux in their career. Now, I am one of the weekly advice columnists published by the Attorneys in Transition site, and I hope that you stop by, visit, and leave your comments at attorneysintransition.com. Now, we want to, again, remind people to share our programming, and also, if you have any questions on Law Talk Radio or our guests or want to connect with someone, certainly you can drop by and leave a note on our Facebook page. You can certainly search for Law Talk Radio in the Facebook search bar at the top of your homepage on Facebook. Now, back with Alan Sims, we were talking more about securities in the second part of the hour, talked a little bit about the mortgage-backed securities and the history of what really happened here and um let's talk a little bit about investment uh fraud and some of the overselling that uh, alan i was talking to you about the other day what are the risks and things uh that are happening there not only for the individual investor but for institutional investors as well well we're so used to uh, having um and, and i can only uh, go to my courses that i teach and also some private consult- consultation i have with some uh, investment firms uh, institutional investors, excuse me. Uh, when when we look at the yield that that people go out, or at least is presented to you as a perspective uh, on on a on a the mortgage backed securities at this stage, uh, we're looking at 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 what the performance is based on a a performing uh, model and the models that were put together. Uh, were not true. Now, it's easy to say at the time that the models were correct, but hindsight, for me as an expert, is is fairly easy. It's it's nice to go back and look at, go run another model on on performance, and you're going to find out, well, what they said was not true. So the, the... the investor did the best they could at the time, and, and let's let's put it all out there. They only believed what they were told, and the and the uh, and the checks and balances that were available, that uh, the government and also the, the the lending institutions and the brokerage houses uh, were pushing. These were all within uh, the goals, or at least the guidelines that were that that basically was available. Uh, from you know the Tax Reform Act of 1986 and also the Enforcement Act of 1989, which basically changed the loan industry and the federal regulations, and they encouraged loan or, uh, origination. So everybody was in the guidelines, but what was happening was no one, or not, we can't say no one, but some of the models were not exactly correct. Uh, in other words, let's talk about half-truths here, and it's up to the 
the institutional investor now to go back and to, instead of taking a loss, is to go back and do a forensic a forensic study on their investments and to see whether or not uh, they were sold a bill of goods. And that's where I come in. Uh, we, we do this type of work. But uh, it's not really the the blame cannot really be put on the institutional home, uh, the in, in, institutional investor. It has to be the blame has to be put on the the rating agency and also the brokerage houses that sold these uh, securities. Now, the uh, an individual I know who is uh, in northwest suburban Chicago is a uh, I would call him a high end family law attorney and. In his practice of dealing with high net worth clients, I believe that he stumbled, well, not stumbled into, but um, began encountering a lot of these, a lot of these cases. And it sounds like there is, and he did some investigation on his own. And apparently, there are a lot more of these um, than we know, and um, than we were otherwise previously aware. So now people are taking what I understand is that people are now taking a look at different securities and asking for uh, another set of eyes and uh and auditing I suppose and take a look and is this what I thought I was buying. Um so my second my second my first question is is that what you're uh, experiencing that what you think is also the case? And my second question is then um, well, let's just take the first one. Is that do you see that that's happening? People are uh, looking to have their portfolios audited, and and how much of that is the institution versus the individual investor who might not even know that they have um, securities that aren't that great? Uh, yes, uh, I have to agree with you. The the, the portfolio is being audited, and I come into play on that uh, because of my relationship with with a lot of probate attorneys and also uh, probate attorneys that have been. Um, and probate courts here in California that have been assigned to manage uh, some of the uh, estates. Uh, do we have? Is the estates performing correctly? Did, did, did my? Are there damages here that that the uh, homeowner or the investor? Excuse me, not the homeowner. The investor uh, was caused by them buying a, a, a toxic asset, and and it was sold to them as a bill of goods. Uh, is there some recourse for the people to come back and get this money uh, refunded or some type of settlement uh, to show that, that it will go back into the estate, go back into that, that trust pool again? So I'm seeing a lot of that. Hindsight, again, is the best way to go after this because you've got all the documents here. Uh, you're able to go back and look at past performance, and you're able to uh, debunk their uh, model of uh, of expectations on those uh, securities. So that's a, that's it's hard, but it's it's an easy it's an easy type of investigation in certain ways. Now, when they do find that, well, if they find something does not pass the sniff test, and they were right, what are their levels of recourse? Uh, believe it or not, they they go ahead and they and they their level of recourse is of course go, go to court. Okay, they want to go to court. Uh, they they uh, sue on various lines. Uh, a lot of them are being subtle because it's almost like these mortgage. Uh, it's almost like the loan modification. The bank doesn't want to go from a jury. Uh, a lot of this is uh, is a lot of settlements. I see. I, I see very few that I have been involved with going to court. So. Uh, again, uh, 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 opening up the Pandora's box to show that someone really wasn't honest with 
with your investors is is good for the attorney. Uh, I don't see any downsides to it, uh, whether it be most of it is settlement or uh, courtroom settlement or courthouse settlement, court step settlement uh, with, that we see somewhat in the cases I've been involved with. So this is why when uh, it makes sense then how why Finera is is there and operating. And when we look at the the mediation, I mean I. I really was interested when I found out that that was something that I could add to my roster. I mean, I'm already working on family law mediation. Why not? If I'm understanding this other practice area, why mm-hmm. not also, uh, you know, do mediation for uh, for this? Because you know, and if, if there's if there's pockets to settle these, you know, I'm assuming that all insurance companies are going to, um, you know, be paying out on some of these claims. And um, but then it can then then AIG pops up again, and I just it kind of seems to come full circle. I, I just wonder. It just, you know, it seems like you. It is a Pandora's box. You uncover one layer, and now you find a whole other layer of I don't know where to shovel that, and it, it just seems never ending. Well, you, you have to. Your attorneys, uh, the attorneys involved in these cases, have to set realistic, realistic expectations to their clients. Uh, they, they can't get everything back. They have to get something back. They have to work within the. Uh, parameters of the other side, what they have available to settle with, too. So, uh, as you say, you, you want to get a mediation or even the arbitration end of this, uh, that is probably going to be worked on more so than everybody's going to the Superior Court. And I agree with you with the mediation aspect of it. Really? And then, real quick, my other question with some of um, the securities that are sold. Is there a big problem, or was there a problem, with uh, brokers misrepresenting the level of risk and you know, selling selling grandma a high risk uh, security that you know really they should have given her something more stable? Uh, I would say yes. As far as your institutional investors, you can just look at all the teachers unions in most of the states how they were that uh, their investment pool has been taken for a ride, as well as a lot of the uh, government investment pools have been taken for a ride because of these uh, uh, brokers uh, uh, misrepresenting the performance of their securities. So that's that's a good track record to look at that, and then the 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 individual investor representing grandma. Uh, it's a little bit gray there, but you know who are you going to blame? Are you going to blame the the the, the uh, broker, grandma's broker, or are you going to invest the, or are you going to blame the investment house that the broker buys it from? So that's still out for lunch, and 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 you got to be have an aggressive attorney to kind of put those people in line and and to find out uh, which is the best uh, solution for grandma here. Well, you know, Alan, it's such a great information. We're going to have to wrap it up for this time, but I do want to uh, have you coming back as a periodic contributor because as you are in the know, I appreciate your time to help uh, us put other people in the know. So again, could you give us some contact information how people can find out more and get a hold of you? Sure. Our uh, website is www.clcree.org. Again, clcree.org. And a phone number that uh, people can can contact us with is 909-584-584. Eight eight two zero again nine zero nine five eight four eight eight two zero. Well, thanks again, Alan. Thank you again for your time and being on the show today. Uh, thank you, Nick, for having me back, and it's always a, a, a delight and a privilege to be on your show. All right, wonderful. 
sorry about that. And we'd also like to thank our commercial sponsors uh, and our guests for listening. We'd like to thank our sponsors. Number one, the advertising copy and intellectual property attorney, Nancy K. Ducharme. Secondly, executive coach, Mary Erlane of Peak Marketing and Sales Incorporated. Third, law firm business and marketing and public relations agency known as Law Publicist Communications and ALR PRA Division. Fourth, attorney Jim Thompson of the Midwest Consulting Group and the Get Clients Now program. Fifth, credit damage expert George Finder. And sixth, the software and technology attorneys at Marcus Stephen Harris, LLC. Again, by way of disclaimer, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Communication with attorneys on this show does not give rise to attorney-client relationships. Law Talk Radio does not necessarily endorse all the opinions expressed by guests. And finally, all callers remain confidential, and rights to this broadcast are reserved. Your Law Talk Radio broadcasts are programmed to entertain you and bring our attorney and non-attorney audiences together with the tips, tools, and practice area information that you can use to be better informed practitioners as well as consumers of legal services. Now, with our guests and listeners located worldwide, we appreciate the opportunity to use this socially networked radio program to bring people together and share collective intelligence. Again, this is Nick Augustine, the law publicist for Your Law Talk Radio, and I thank you for your time.